The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by IBM. Big data at the speed of business. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to welcome members of our armed forces who are tuning in over the Internet from remote locations and listeners who are joining us on affiliate radio stations in all 50 states. Thank you for your emails, cards, and letters, and for making us part of your Newsweek. In just a moment, a voice and name we are all familiar with, Radio Hall of Fame inductee Jim Bohannon will be joining the program to talk about being a self-proclaimed militant moderate in an industry that is as partisan as our nation's capital. Bohannon has been working in radio for more than five decades, applying reason and logic to the problems that we face. We'll also get his take on FBI Director Comey's testimony. But before Bohannon joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. James E. Bohannon was born in Corvallis, Oregon, and grew up in Lebanon, Missouri. He accepted his first job in radio when he was just 16 years old, working for $1 an hour. While attending Southwestern Missouri State University, he continued working in radio at KWTO and KICK. Following graduation from college, Bohannon enlisted in the U.S. Army, and he served in the 199th Infantry Brigade in Vietnam. Once discharged, he returned to his roots in radio, working at a number of stations before landing a drive-time program on WCFL in Chicago and working a second job as a reporter for CNN. It didn't take long before Bohannon found himself working as the guest host of The Larry King Show while also hosting his own program in the evenings. In 1993, Bohannon launched The Jim Bohannon Show. But you also recognize Bohannon as the voice of America in the Morning, a program he hosted for 31 years. It's my pleasure to welcome to the program Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Mr. Jim Bohannon. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Bohannon. Why, my pleasure, Rebecca. Thank you. My goodness, I had no idea that was all me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, when they start reading my bio, I start feeling old all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, happened really. to you? <laughs> yeah, often. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mentioned earlier that you've referred to yourself as a militant moderate. Tell us what that is. What do you mean? Well, over the years, I have, uh, have felt that there were often... Uh, uh, extremes of viewpoints on on the left and right that uh, sometimes left the public with the uh, the evil of two lessers, if you will, and uh, that often a middle course can in fact be uh, a a uh, an appropriate way to go. That uh, that the extremes don't always uh, produce uh, answers or necessarily uh, the compromises, which are an essential part of a free society. I know that's a dirty word in in, uh, in some language, but. But that's been my my general approach, and that I, I feel about that uh, in a strong manner. The idea that anything that uh, could remotely be called uh, centrist has, I think, over the years been uh, condemned to to look somehow uh, weak or indecisive. I agree. I you know I had someone tell me recently that the most dangerous position you could take was being a moderate. I, that's probably true. Yeah, I think that is. How true. did that happen? <laughs> How oh, did that I, become dangerous? It, it becomes dangerous, I po- suppose, by virtue of the fact that uh, the uh, extremes of the political spectrum tend to have uh, extreme views of, of uh, their being correct, and that uh, all others uh, are, are incorrect. So uh, that that's probably the reason why. And again. Uh, they they tend to look at their opposite number on the other extreme as the the only other viable viewpoint. I think to a certain extent it it simply uh, repudiates the notion that there could be 
anything in the way of uh, varying thoughts along the spectrum of ideas, and there are, there are. Of course, and I, you know, I'm a scientist, so uh, by training, and so as a result of that, I find that there are many solutions to a problem. It's not either just A or B, and if you don't want A, then you have to take B. Uh, I, I just, I don't like that false construct. I would agree, uh, and again, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, I suppose, uh, a viewpoint that, that doesn't seem to lend itself uh, much to uh, to righteous indignation, and that's one of the biggest fueling uh, sources for uh, our entire uh, gross national discussion. I think is is righteous indignation. So, although you know, I, I can feel righteously indignant, but I don't think in a, in in the main that I, I feel that way to the exclusion of any other point of view. So I, I've, you know, I've I've learned from uh, from those with whom I've uh, debated uh, over the years, and I would hope that others could do that as well, and not simply dig in your heels. Yeah, and you've always been very respectful, even when people uh, have had a position that, uh, you know, really they couldn't defend. Uh, I found you to be always respectful, willing to listen, and willing to debate, uh, you know, intellectually and on a logical basis. Who else do you consider to be a militant moderate on uh, radio or television today? Well, let's see. That would require some uh, some thought, I suppose, at uh, this particular moment. Isn't uh, that sad? We have to really think about that. <laughs> I we suppose have to, we have to dig deep to find another moderate. <laughs> I, I suppose that's true. Uh, uh, Doug Steffen, uh, although I guess he would uh, describe himself as more libertarian, but I think that he's he's certainly respectful of others and engages in intellectual debates. Uh, uh, David Brudnoy, uh, formerly of uh, WBC in Boston, uh, who passed away a few years ago, I suppose he fell in that category. But uh, beyond uh, those two names, it would require me uh, time, I think, to sit and think about it. Because uh, let's face it, if you uh, hew to uh, one of the, the two ends of the, of the uh, political spectrum, uh, apparently that's a key to some success. The, the biggest names in the industry are, are those who have done that. There aren't too many people who have have carved out a successful career uh, other than uh, at the two extremes of the political spectrum. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because it is hard to ignore the fact that the highest rated radio talk programs and television talk programs uh, lean heavily toward the right or the left. And, you know, you've been around this industry for more than five decades and you've witnessed all these changes firsthand. Is there a place for nonpartisan talk radio anymore? There, there is. Uh, not that I don't have uh, my viewpoints, and I'll, I'll present them uh, forcefully, but uh, there's less of a place. I think we have developed a, a national taste for what I call pre-digested news, and that I don't wish to merely be informed, but I wish to be informed from my perspective. I wish information that is fed to me, as I would put it, pre-digested, from uh, my point of view, so it's entirely possible that I can be briefed on the events of the day and yet never think an original thought, because everything that uh, I consume is uh, from uh, my perspective, which is not in and of itself evil, except, uh, I suppose, insofar as, as you don't recognize the other perspectives. It's not that everyone who disagrees with you is stupid or out to uh, to hurt the country. It's just that they have a different perspective, and it can be helpful, even if you're not persuaded to change your view, to at least understand what it is they're really saying. Why do we feel so threatened to even listen? I think that a lot of people uh, perhaps have uh, a, a shaky grasp of, of their particular viewpoint, they don't like it challenged, and, and they, in some cases, invest their very being in, the, in their viewpoint. Their identity is tied to that viewpoint, and that if you have destroyed my viewpoint, you have essentially destroyed me. Uh, that may sound somewhat childish, but I think at its core, that's probably what we're talking about. Yeah, you know, for me, it's all about collecting as much empirical data and facts and perspectives as I possibly can and then weeding through those to see what has the best probability of working 
you know, or making sense. So I'm just willing to listen to ideas from both sides of the political spectrum. I, I, my, my dad used to have a saying, which, if you think about it too much, doesn't make any sense at all, like a lot of things my dad used to say. You know, if I, if I really thought about it, they, I couldn't make heads or tails out of it. But he used to say a good idea doesn't care who has it. Well, that's true. Uh, but, of course, others do. Uh, and, and friends, uh, uh, colleagues, uh, opponents, uh, co-workers, these people all care. I think that at the core of it is that, that uh, a lot of people are very shaky about their viewpoints. They don't want them challenged. Well, that's well said. We have to take our first break, but stay where you are. We'll be right back with more from Jim Bohannon. You're listening to the Costa Report. Hi, I'm Joan London. If you're worried about your parent or loved one living alone, like I was, and you want reliable senior care information, then call a place for mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. Finding an apartment that was on the courtyard with the view of the trees, the view of the ducks, the stream, the creek, all of that, that was what I needed. You'll get free information on assisted living, Alzheimer's care, nursing homes, even important financial information. Here's the number. To speak with a local senior living advisor, call A Place for Mom at 800-451-2976. That's 800-451-2976. A Place for Mom is a free service, and you can trust them to help you. So if you're struggling to find reliable senior living information, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. To speak with a local senior living advisor, call A Place for Mom at 800-451-2976. That's 800-451-2976. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by, making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-314-7417. 800-314-7417. That's 800-314-7417. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, we go for a walk. Every day... I wake up at 5 a.m. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. I am done with my mattress. That's right. I'm not spending another night on this old bag. My new mattress comes today, and this thing is out of here. Bye-bye, mattress. Yep, bye-bye, mattress. So says you and about a thousand other people every day. And that's a lot of old mattresses with no place to go. There's the landfill, of course, where they just take up space. But what a waste. Because you could send it to a mattress recycler where old mattresses get broken down into steel, foam, wood, and fiber that become new steel, carpet padding, home insulation, garden mulch, biomass fuel, locomotive oil filters, and all kinds of other great stuff. So Bye Bye Mattress is right. But don't toss it. Recycle it. It's easy. And it's free. To find a mattress recycler in your area, visit ByeByeMattress.com.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Mr. Jim Bohannon. Now, the big news this week has been former FBI Director Comey's testimony. And as a militant moderate, I wanted to get your take on what Comey had to say. Well, he certainly has uh, come across as uh, uh, trying to be uh, the person who is always willing to uh, to buck the administration in power. Uh, perhaps that's a correct interpretation, but he, in addition to uh, uh, expressing his uh, discomfort with dealing uh, one-on-one with President Trump and uh, uh, the president's suggestions that uh, uh, any investigation of Michael Flynn be let go, uh, that uh, he also, he, Comey, had to... Uh, uh, misgivings and reservations about uh, how Loretta Lynch had treated the uh, email scandal that has plagued uh, Hillary Clinton, in particular uh, asking that it uh, not be referred to as an investigation, but as a, quote, matter. These, of course, are, are, are lawyer words, and for most of us uh, it seems uh, uh, rather petty and perhaps childish. But uh, his point was he was trying to show his uh, in- integrity and his independence of these people, which uh, I suppose puts him in a good light from my standpoint, other than an exercise in self-flagellation. Uh, at, at the end of the day, uh, I have yet to hear anything from uh, uh, James Comey that would indicate that he felt that the president, uh, the current president, uh, Donald Trump, had engaged in uh, obstruction of justice. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, whether, whether his remarks to Comey were inappropriate or not, and I would uh, say that they probably were, that they do not rise to the level of obstruction of justice, uh, certainly not in the context of a man who looked at Hillary Clinton, who uh, seriously broke uh, a number of laws regarding classified material, and then added that no reasonable prosecutor uh, would proceed with that case. Certainly in that context, uh, it would seem that uh, there's nothing here that any reasonable prosecutor uh, would uh, uh, deduce either, although in this case, of course, prosecution would take the form of House impeachment uh, and or Senate conviction. I agree with you 100 percent. I did not hear anything that rose to the level of evidence of a crime being committed. What I heard was a lot of discomfort that he had on in those one-on-one meetings uh, and a lot of innuendo. You know, I think... Um, uh, in particular, Comey went back two or three times with this idea of uh, there were four or five of them in a meeting with Trump, and Trump dismissed everybody and kept Comey behind. And Comey seemed to go back to that two or three times and say, you know, why did he leave me behind to talk about uh, Mike Flynn and the fact that uh, Mike Flynn was a good guy and I uh, hope you can let this go? And he, and, and he seemed to uh, equate the fact that everybody else had been dismissed with the idea that he wanted, uh, Trump must have wanted this conversation to only take place between uh, uh, Comey and Trump himself because then there would be, you know, no other witnesses. But you and I know that there are a lot of reasons for dismissing others from a meeting. You know, I, I do this all the time in my own business. I, I mean, if they're if we're going to be talking about something, you know, everybody, first of all, has got so much work to do that if they're really busy and we're going to be talking about something that's not really relevant, then we, you know, we let them all go. I, I agree uh, completely. Uh, again, uh, I know that uh, it has been uh, touted by his deepest supporters that uh, Donald Trump is not a politician. I've always referred to those people, uh, replied to those people by saying uh, he became a politician the day he, he announced that he was running for office, although at times he hasn't been a very good politician. And I'll grant you, anybody who had even a passing knowledge of the concept of obstruction of justice would probably not have used the terms that uh, Trump is alleged to have used, even though I don't think they, they rose to that level. But they certainly raised questions which uh, an experienced uh, politician... A, a practicing politician, a knowledgeable politician, and somebody wouldn't have gone there. You you don't clear a minefield by putting on a blindfold and snowshoes and stomping forward. It was just, it was ham-fisted, but then that would hardly be the first time that uh, that statement has been made about uh, President Trump. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and we have to remember that Trump is used to doing things that you would do in a business. You know, you might say, hey, the guy's a good guy. Let's just cut him some slack. Uh, and that's not what you can do 
in in government. <laughs> you no. don't say that to the FBI director. But I did think that Comey did come forward and say that when he informed Trump that it was uh, that he needed to go to uh, the um, attorney general. Right. And uh, for uh, items such as that, um, that the communication stopped. Trump stopped calling Comey. That. Yes, uh, that was also rather interesting. Maybe it's part of the, of the learning curve. Again, I I much prefer my presidents, wherever possible, to have done the learning curve before assuming <laughs> the awesome powers of the office. But it's very possible that that was the first time that this concept had had uh, even uh, uh, come up uh, with with President Trump. So uh, again, uh, I uh, like like many, I, I wish that uh, the president had not gone down this road. But I think your analysis is is accurate that we're we're looking at uh, perhaps uh, stumblings in the dark of a political novice. Yeah, I think so. And and you know, not long ago we had Bob Woodward uh, stop by the program, and who, as you know, with Carl Bernstein broke the Watergate story. Oh, yes. And he indicated that he did not feel these two scandals were any in any way equivalent. He said in the case of Watergate, there was an actual break-in, an empirical information showing that there was a break-in and laws had been broken. But in this case, he saw no evidence of any crimes being committed. Exactly. And even beyond that, not only was there a, a crime committed in, the, in regard to the break-in, and that there, of course, has never been any proof positive that Richard Nixon ordered the break-in simply because I don't think Richard Nixon would have been stupid enough to do that. But once the break-in occurred, possibly by those who thought, hey, let's impress the old man, let's break into the Democratic headquarters in the Watergate and see what's going on, uh, once it happened, then what he should have done was to say those lousy blinkety-blanks, you guys have really stepped on it this time, I hate this, but you are going to be hung out to dry. This cannot be allowed. If that had happened, Richard Nixon would have served two relatively uneventful terms in office. Instead, he engaged in the cover-up. He tried to use the CIA to intimidate the FBI as part of the cover-up. And, of course, as so often is the case, it was the cover-up and not the break-in that ultimately brought down Richard Nixon. So I agree completely with Bob Woodward that, again, however ham-fisted this current situation may be, it does not rise to the level of constitutional crisis that Watergate most assuredly was. Yes, it was also interesting that, uh, you know, Comey brought up the point that uh, Trump had said, and if there's anybody else in my, uh, I forget, in uh, any other satellites, I think he used the term, if any other satellites, uh, meaning people in his cabinet or working directly uh, uh, for him, uh, were engaged in wrongdoing, he said it'd be good to find that out also. Well, obviously, it would be good for any any executive to find that out. Uh, that, that's that's certainly true. Uh, again, if if this conversation had been held in front of Donald Trump uh, before he had any dealings with Mr. Comey, he might have walked away saying, "Oh, well, that's how it works. Well, maybe I shouldn't bring this up then." Uh, I don't think that the president's incapable of learning. I just wish again that he had done it. Uh, shall we say before he took the oath of office? <laughs> Well, here, here. Now, we have to take another scheduled intermission, but stay tuned. We'll be back after these important messages from our sponsors. You're listening to the Costa Report. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars. Scott, we keep hearing about the wines that are being developed in Monterey County. How would you describe the climate conditions for grapes? Monterey County has a lot of little pockets that give you the opportunity to grow a variety of grapes. It comes down to the match of location and climate with the varietal that you're going to grow. And where we grow in the Highlands, it's prototypical cool climate. We're even in the northern side of the Highlands. So that is ideal for both Pinot and Chardonnay. Chardonnay strives really well in a lot of our county, as well as Pinot. But I would say that this is the most optimal location. You get wind, you get sun exposure. The benches come off of the inland side of the coastal mountains. It's an optimal position. You can order any of our products directly from us by visiting our website, caracciolicellars.com, or calling the tasting room directly, 831-622-7722. I'm Paul George of the Indiana Pacers. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, 
My days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Women now make up 37% of the workforce, changing their role forever. Harvard Medical School has now opened its doors to new female applicants. The first woman is now in space. The majority of last year's doctorate degrees were earned by women. We've come so far, but our news is changing for the worse. More women die from heart disease and stroke than men, even though it can be prevented. Make a change at GoRedForWomen.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. Okay, what are you wearing right now? Nothing. That's right. So mommy's going to teach you how to dress yourself. Underwear always comes first, name tag at the back, then pants, then shirt. Get the first button in the right hole or you have to start all over. Socks going first, then shoes right on right, left on left. With shoelaces, just take the ends, cross them over, switch the loops, the rabbit goes down the hole, pull tight, and you're left with bunny ears. Got it? Why are your pants on your head? Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But two minutes twice a day, making sure they brush their teeth is easier, and it could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. Visit 2min2x.org to find out more. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Psst. Yeah, you. It's me. Your heart. Listen to me. We've got to talk. High blood pressure is serious. And yours? Whoa. What happened to us? We used to be so much more active. But lately, you've been ignoring me. I know you think I'm just going to keep ticking away forever. But you're wrong. You can do so much more to control your high blood pressure. Doing the minimum isn't doing enough. I'm under a lot of pressure and can quit whenever I want. Bet you didn't know that. But I like my job. Just treat me better. Check on me. Give me something green to nibble on every once in a while. And maybe we can do some exercise on occasion. Let's get to it. After all, we're in this together. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is radio legend and the man known as the voice of reason, Jim Bohannon. If it's okay with you, I'd like to turn our attention abroad for just a moment because uh, many folks are watching the terrorist attacks in England and extrapolating that the same could happen here if we don't restrict immigration from terrorist-sponsoring nations. Again, as a self-proclaimed moderate, how do you see the president's proposed immigration ban? Well, perhaps I I stray from from the title moderate here, but I, I have to deal with some harsh realities. Uh, One is that there is a substantial subset of the Islamic faith which does, in fact, adhere to the basic tenets of uh, the Islamist point of view. That is to say, it's uh, their way, or not even the highway, but the graveyard, that you will uh, submit or you will die. Uh, Islam, unlike Christianity, has not had the opportunity to undergo a reformation, for whatever reason that may be. And uh, that leaves uh, estimates of... uh, upwards of 10% of adherents to Islam around the world who share these viewpoints. You can take polls that have been taken by reputable firms in places such as uh, Egypt, for example, and other Middle Eastern countries, asking basic questions uh, such as, should those who uh, wish to leave the Islamic faith be put to death? And you will find large majorities for that point of view. This is a serious problem. Now, obviously, if every Muslim in the world... uh, acted in such ways and and, uh, professed those views, then we would not be having terror incidents every few weeks. We'd be having them every few minutes. Uh, There would be major explosions in this country every day. Uh, That is not the case. The vast majority of the adherents of of Islam do not uh, practice that point of view, and, and many of them want nothing more than what the rest of us want, which is to be left alone, to 
pursue our own individual uh, happiness and uh, careers and uh, safety and security for our family. Having said that, there is this substantial subset. They subscribe to the view put forward by a number of people who uh, describe themselves as clerics, but they're more like uh, thugs in clerical garb, and they uh, they are sent forward uh, to engage in such uh, vicious actions. And it is very difficult, in, for example, to take the case of Syria, very difficult to vet these people. There's virtually no infrastructure left in that country in terms of government. What records are left, what vetting process can take place. And so it is very difficult to simply open the doors and just uh, en masse uh, let these people come uh, charging in uh, and, and uh, with, with any security uh, in the knowledge that you have a rough idea of who these people are. I, for example, have long been very much in favor of the notion of providing help to these refugees. Absolutely. Taxpayer-funded refugee camps in the Middle East. And, yes, pay for their their uh, housing, uh, whatever that takes, uh, the food, what have you. Yes, we spend a lot of my tax dollars, but that does not obligate us to open our doors to people who may or may not subscribe to the views that are inherent in the U.S. Constitution. So put succinctly, uh, I think that uh, although he has often worded it inelegantly, that the president's basic notion here is uh, unfortunately necessary. So you would agree that there are certain countries where uh, there are just no records that would allow us to properly vet uh, immigrants that are coming in from those countries, and it would be very, very difficult to eliminate any terrorist threat from coming into the country if we don't stop immigration from those terrorist-sponsoring countries. Uh, regrettably, yes, uh, that's true. And they don't even have to be uh, uh, officially certified as terrorist-sponsoring countries if they are, in fact, countries in which uh, the government may not, quote, sponsor terrorism, but in which there is a large uh, percentage of uh, uh, of people who seem to adhere by by all the evidence that is available to such viewpoints. No, we are not obligated to take them in, uh, cross our fingers, and hope for the best. Uh, there are are uh, cultural problems as well, a lack of respect for women, uh, assaults that have taken place in some communities by, by young men who apparently act entirely on hormones and not on anything that we would consider uh, the, the civilized uh, self-restraint of, uh, of proper behavior. Uh, there, there's very little to be gained uh, from, from letting such people into the country. Uh, I don't know how you re-educate such people, but that's beyond our capabilities, quite frankly. So, yeah, again, the short answer that uh, uh, until better answers are found, I don't think that they should be uh, just allowed into this country in, in a major block of immigration. Do you believe that the relaxation of the borders between countries in the amongst EU nations has contributed to additional threats? Oh, without question. Of course, once you gain admittance, to uh, any European Union country, uh, travel across uh, national borders in what are still uh, separate nation-states, albeit with somewhat uh, weakened uh, sovereignty by virtue of their common agreement. Once you're in, you, know, you get into Spain, well, hey, then you're into France, into Germany, uh, into Italy, into uh, wherever. Uh, so, yes, it certainly has, uh, has done so. So if you are let's say, a member country of the European Union. This undoubtedly is uh, part of what fueled uh, the Brexit vote in, uh, in Britain. Uh, if, you're, uh, uh, if you have, let's say, uh, controls or restrictions uh, on uh, people coming into your country, it doesn't really matter that much because uh, if other members of the European Union don't, and once they get in there, then they can go from that other country straight into, uh, into Britain in this uh, particular example. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it has fueled it without question. The problem with the European Union on a lot of fronts, not just on immigration, but economics and a host of other areas, is that they're almost a country. Uh, they don't have common taxing policies, for example, because there's no, no ability to tax, and that's the reason why uh, countries uh, that are less productive, like, say, uh, Greece or Spain, don't do as well as countries like Germany. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Well, what about sanctuary cities in the in this country? Um, you know, that's an ongoing uh, problem that the federal government and state governments uh, seem to be at odds on. Well, I think it's uh, if you really want the idea that we all get to pick and choose which laws we uh, we back, uh, then I'd like my my shot at, at picking some laws. I might <laughs> choose, 
choose to ignore the federal speeding laws, for example, or, or any one of a number of other areas. I think it's unconscionable. Could, could you set that up for us? Would you would you be yeah, sure. would you use your influence on I radio will. and uh, yeah. make sure we can we can pick and choose uh, the speeding a, law? <laughs> I did an hour one night on on, uh, on uh, that very topic. If there was one law that you were given the option to ignore, what would it be? And the, the phones uh, uh, lit up to, to say the least. Uh, so yeah, it uh, again it should not be the option of people to decide which laws they will or will not. Enforce and, and quite frankly, my view is that if you uh, insist on going down this path, uh, then uh, I don't believe that you should receive a penny of federal education money. But we now have three areas. Money. We, we now have three areas. We have the state saying, uh, well, we don't care that uh, marijuana is a class one drug, according to federal law. We're going to do what it, we're going to make it legal in our state. Uh, we now have the sanctuary cities. Uh, that are going on, uh, you know, there's there are other many other areas where the states now climate change is the third uh, leg of that stool. Uh, the states are effectively saying whatever the uh, uh, the uh, withdrawal from the Paris Climate Accord is, uh, we don't care because in our states we're going to do what we want to do. Um, the states seem to be pulling away from uh, federal oversight. Well, it depends, of course, on exactly what we're, we're talking about. I'm not sure that all three uh, can be uh, taken in the same uh, context in regard to, for example, uh, states which want uh, stricter controls on, let's say, uh, greenhouse gas emissions within their borders. And no one at the, the federal level is saying that they can't go ahead and do just that. Mm -hmm. but some of them are talking about... Uh, uh, but do you see a trend? Well, do you see any there, trend? There is a trend. There is a trend, but it depends on the circumstances. If some states have even talked about negotiating treaties with other members of the Paris Accord, well, that is I have heard that. forbidden by the Constitution. No, you can't do that. If you, as a state, wish to, to subscribe to higher standards, uh, as far as I know, federal standards in this country regarding emissions uh, have a floor under which you cannot go. There's no ceiling. So if some state wants to go super green, well, they sure. can't. But, uh, uh, you know, in the United States, a treaty requires a two-thirds majority vote in the Senate. And uh, last they're time, uh, yeah, they're, they're mistaken. They can sign a treaty. We have to take another short break. And when we come back, we'll talk about what lies ahead for the mainstream media and moderate objective reporting. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Costa Report. Week after week, listeners ask me, Rebecca, when's your new book coming out? Folks, I am happy to report that On the Verge will be available in bookstores throughout the country on September 6th. Just in case you haven't read The Watchman's Rattle yet, you have the entire summer to get caught up. Go to RebeccaCosta.com, Amazon, or any bookstore to get your copy of The Watchman's Rattle. Get your copy now, so when On the Verge hits the bookstores, you'll be ready for what comes next. When I say Italy, what comes to mind? Venice. Capri. Oh my gosh, Capri was marvelous. The views, the cliffside views, or traveling to Sorrento. Pirello Tours. Oh, Pirello Tours, for sure. Pirello. Hi, I'm Steve Pirello of Pirello Tours. With over 70 years of tour experience to Italy, it's no wonder Pirello Tours is synonymous with travel to Italy. I think of the culture. And to walk up to certain areas and touch a wall and think, well, this wall's like 3,000 years old. Being on a Pirello tour on our anniversary was better than anything I can remember ever on an anniversary. I personally approve every itinerary to ensure a stress-free, once-in-a-lifetime vacation. Salute! Call now for your free insider's guide to Perillo's Italy. Call in the next 30 minutes and qualify for a $100 gift card when you travel with us. Call 800-897-7176. 800-897-7176. 800-897-7176. Hi there, I'm Bob Eubanks. You know, as part of Hollywood for a long time, I've seen my fair share of celebrities get in trouble with the IRS. Well, there's one name I trust, the Tax Defense Group. So if you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS, you really need to call my friends at the Tax Defense Group. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee, and they're open 24 hours a day because they know that tax debt doesn't sleep either. Call 800-257-2910. 800-257-2910.
It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... (laughs) Sometimes, though. You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman. Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Hey, America, we need to have a little talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but we got a lot of food in this country. A lot of peaches, a lot of corn, a lot of apples, a lot of everything. We've got so much food that we can't even eat it all. So if we've got all this extra food, how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? I just don't get it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to the hungry kids who need it. They can get you food even if you live in Idaho or Alaska or somewhere crazy like that. This isn't complicated. We've got extra food and we've got hungry kids. Feeding America's done the math. Now it's your turn. Support Feeding America in your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. I know you got internet on your phone, so what are you waiting for? We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is Jim Bohannon. And before the break, we were talking about the trend that we're seeing of states ignoring federal laws uh, as they see fit or even going so far as to claim that they can negotiate and sign their own international treaties. I want to give you an opportunity to we had to go to hard break, and I apologize for that. I want to give you an opportunity to finish your thought on that. Yeah, again, looking at the various areas in which states are asserting their independence, if states wish a a stricter regimen of environmental standards, there's no federal law against that. If states wish to ignore the laws that determine who is allowed into the country, when, for how long, and for what reason, that's not their prerogative so to do. So, again, in some areas... Uh, such state independence, I think, is uh, acceptable, and others uh, not even remotely acceptable. I just wish that the people who favor open borders would honestly come forward and offer that as a a proposition for debate. But mostly, uh, they're too smart to do that because they realize that it would not solve the problems of the third world. It would simply reduce us closer to being in that same category. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that. Uh, I I don't think we're going to see any uh, bills on the on the floor for open borders uh, anytime in the near future. Um, Now, the president has made it pretty clear that he doesn't have a lot of respect for the mainstream media. And so uh, to me, uh, as a person who has worked in Silicon Valley for a very long time, it it makes sense that he would go around the media and use Twitter to deliver his message directly to the American people. Roosevelt and Reagan, as you know, took advantage of fireside chats to speak to the person on the street uh, and felt uh, they didn't want to go necessarily through the press on on every issue. That said, I'm not sure how I feel about tweeting without any filter or any delay. How about you? Oh, I know exactly how I feel about it. Uh, for one thing, <laughs> I, I think uh, that the, the president's Twitter account should have long ago been placed in a blind trust, number one. <laughs> and number two, I think that uh, just tweeting in general, if you look at the apologies and the uh, the comments that should have come with an apology, it is pretty clear that tweeting should come with a five-day waiting period. Blurting before you think is a great way to get in trouble for most of us. Uh, almost any of us, but if you're the most powerful person in the world, you can get in a heap of trouble. There's no question in my mind who is the worst enemy that Donald Trump has had since he declared for the presidency. It wasn't any of his Republican opponents or even Hillary Clinton. It was Donald Trump. 
uh, hands down. And uh, uh, he is a walking advertisement for the notion that blurt, uh, blurting before thinking is a really bad idea. Yes, but on the other hand, you really have to give him credit for creating this daily reality news channel that everyone is obsessed with. I mean, half of what you hear on CNN and Fox News these days is about Donald's tweets from Kofifi to is he going to comment on uh, on uh, Comey during Comey's testimony? Well, true. I, I'll grant you he gets attention. Uh, you know, is that a Kofifi or are you just glad to see me? Uh, this, this kind of <laughs> but thing. But we are obsessed with his but tweets. Maybe, but, but he is not running a reality TV show. He's the leader of the free world. If ratings were all that counted or, or the number of retweets or the number of likes, then yes, he would be a raging success. But he has got to be concerned, first of all, with uh, getting his agenda adopted, the things that he wants that he feels are best for the country. And this is not contributing to that. If he wants to be a reality TV star, he had the show. He should have stayed with that. Well, I don't think that's why he's doing it. I think that he's doing it as an end run around the media. He doesn't want the media interpreting what he's going to say, so he's just going to go ahead and say it directly to the person on the street. It may be. I think what, that's what he's up to. That, that may very well be what he thinks he's up to, but if that is the case, then at the very least, these things should be vetted by someone he considers personally loyal. Uh, a top aide, uh, his wife, uh, the vice president, somebody. But by now, it should be a, a, apparent to Donald Trump that when he just blurts that people wind up uttering the words, what the president meant, over and over and over. <laughs> in, in his own interest, the heck with the media. He should look at it from the standpoint of what, what's best for Donald Trump. And it's not been best for him. <laughs> well, well. It is, and it's not. I mean, it certainly had an impact on the on his um, ability to uh, communicate directly to the public during the election. Of course, we're in, oh, the election is over now, uh, yeah. and he's continuing to tweet. Um, in some ways, he's creating his own news channel that's independent of the mainstream media. And I understand what he's trying to do, but also I, I'm like I, I'm I have the similar feeling that you do. I'm a little nervous by the uh, being nervous by this. I, I wish that you know even in radio when you have a, t- a call in show, you have a 10 second delay because you don't know that someone's not going to use a curse word and you're going to get fined. Yeah. Um, uh, so you have a, a small delay. Just a, uh, if there was someone that could just talk to the president and say, We're, "We don't want to stop you from tweeting. We just like there to be a couple minute delay, so <laughs> so you could reread your tweet, or someone could read it for you." <laughs> yeah, that that would be perfect. It would, exactly what you said, Rebecca. That would be perfect. Just a little delay, more than ten seconds, but for 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 President Trump, two minutes might be enough. Because how many times could he look back and say, well, you know, maybe I didn't quite word that the way I meant, but that's what I was thinking when I I knocked it out on my smartphone. Well, (laughs) think harder. Think longer. (laughs) (laughs) I I know exactly what you mean. But, you know, it is is very entertaining. We we have to admit that. Now, we are are just about out of time. Uh, Do you have a website where listeners can go today to get information about your radio program and also your activities? Absolutely. Uh, apropos, by the way, of Twitter, you can follow me at Jimbo Talks, plural, J-I-M-B-O-T-A-L-K-S. Uh, the website, JimboTalk.net, singular, J-I-M-B-O-T-A-L-K.net. Uh, those are the best places to go. And uh, we urge people to, uh, to tune in. Uh, we uh, air uh, live weeknights, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Uh, on stations all across the country. And it's uh, 10 p.m. to 1 p.m. And 1 I will t- 1 a.m. Uh, to 1 a.m., yeah. 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Uh, and, uh, and it's on five nights a week. Is that right? That's, that's correct. On five, although there is a best of show that's now out there that airs over the weekend. But the, no set time on that. That's right. And it's a terrific show. I hope our listeners will tune in. You you will you will get to hear from the uh, quote voice of reason and everybody needs a little of that in their week. And that is all the time that we have this hour bef- before we say goodbye. I want to I really have to take a moment to thank you for thousands of hours of some of the best radio our industry has to offer. Thank you, Mr. Bohannon. Well, thank you very very much, Ms. Costa. You are so kind and I've enjoyed talking with you immensely. Well, we'll do it again. Yes, please.
Now, today we have been talking about what it takes for an enterprise or an industry to succeed. And everyone knows it starts with having the right people. But where can you go to find the talent you need right when you need it? Well, that's where ZipRecruiter can help. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then powerful technology matches the right person to your specific job. Now, can you imagine how much time that you'll save by posting a job just one time and then having it appear on 100 job sites? Never mind how much you increase the odds of locating that perfect person for your opening. This is why ZipRecruiter is different and it's used by thousands of businesses, small and large. Doesn't matter what the size of your business is. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It goes out and finds them. In fact, over 80% of the jobs posted on ZipRecruiter locate a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. You can fill that job in one day. So ZipRecruiter's not only thorough, it's also fast. No more juggling emails or calls to your office. You can simply screen, rate, manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. It's very easy. We use it here on the Costa Report. And I have to tell you, it's such a time saver. So I, I'm hoping if you have even one job open or you have 10 jobs open, Go to ZipRecruiter. You can find out why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. It's completely 100% free. No gimmicks here. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash report. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash report. One more time to try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash report. And that wraps up our first hour. If your station is leaving us after this hour, my guest next week is the governor of Kentucky, Matt Bevan, who is going where no man has gone before. He's tackling pension reform in his state before it has a chance to implode. Find out how when Governor Matt Bevan joins us right here on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.